you are when people talk about this village being quirky, full of quirky people, you're uh-huh. sort of the poster child. I sort of feel like there should be a poster of you when it says "Welcome to Grayton," <laughs> quirky village full of quirky Quirk. people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Professor Quirk. Professor Quirk. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to My Way, a podcast that shares the stories of people who are doing life their way. Listen along as we explore what works, what doesn't, and the experience that happens no matter which path we choose. I'm your host, Sunny Collins. Thanks for listening. Sunny here. Welcome to episode 17 of My Way. This is the final part of my conversation with fellow Graytonian and artist Alistair Barnes. If you haven't listened to the first two parts of our conversation, go back and check those out. And though our conversation wanders, Alistair doesn't hesitate when I ask him what he's most proud of. You can check out the hatchet-throwing, Land Rover-loving Alistair on the Podcast Cowgirl Facebook page and Instagram account. Enjoy the conversation. Um, Talk to me a little bit about Land Rovers, your relationship with Land Rovers. Yeah. Well, from bouncing around in the middle of Angola in Land, Land Rovers as a young man, to I've always liked them because of their simplicity. That one there, standing there for argument's sake, is very simplistic. You can a bit of wire and a hammer, and uh, as long as the spark plugs. If you got you got spark and you got juice, and you can make it go, and it can drag itself home on three wheels. I mean, it's an amazing piece of machinery. It's 60 years old, built in 1958, so right, 60 years old now, and it's still going like a bomb, sounds like a sewing machine when you turn it on, so that's a Land Rover, and the other one also, but the fancy, the new ones, they get you around, mm-hmm. you've seen the Land Rovers up at Keith's place, those are proper Land Rovers, they're used for that, Yeah. those are all TDIs, because they're more simplistic to use than the modern ones, but my relationship with Land Rovers, I think um, they're like a self-portrait, hmm. a bit decrepit and a bit uh, a bit square and a bit pockmarked and a bit um, ball tires. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, they keep going if you feed them the right stuff. I've never had such a um, I've never been so drawn to a car a before. Yeah, to a, to a vehicle before. It's really uh. funny. The Land Rover has so much personality. They do. Mm. So I'm just trying to, like, I keep you, asking Land Rover owners, like, what is it? I must tell you something that you must remember, of course, is what is your diesel there? Eh? Mm-hmm. You mustn't just switch it on and let it idle. Okay. Um, because that'll just run the battery down. What you have to do is switch it on. You must drive in that thing, from at least from here to Thunardendal, before it even warms. Okay. And the engine's not working unless it's warm. Okay. So, it's better to leave it stand mm-hmm. or drive it to Caledon and back at least. Mm-hmm. And, um, but not to just turn it on and let it sit there, no, running? No. Okay. That doesn't do anything for it. Okay, good. I'm glad In I fact, people this. don't understand that about cars. You know, all it's done is when you start, <clears throat> it uses the battery, and then um, the car doesn't... But I suppose... It's better to do that than not to do it, mm-hmm. but it's best to take it for a run. Okay. The oil moves around in the engine, the oil moves around in the wheels and the gearbox, which is what it needs. 
Okay, this is good to know. Now, how do you think... How's this little laughing dove? <laughs> it's laughing. It's like a... I call that a courtesy laugh. How about... Like a laugh that you give somebody at a cocktail party when the joke is not really that funny. <laughs> <laughs> Likes your courtesy love it. You got the big the ring neck dove. Or the uh, red eye dove. You know the red eye oh, dove. Yeah, what I does he do? He goes, I am the red eye dove. Mm -hmm. I am the red eye dove. Yep. It's a what we used to call pinky doves. You know how nice they toast. We used to shoot hatfuls <laughs> of them as a kid. <laughs> Throw them in the fire and when the feathers were partly burnt off, they must be cooked. We used to eat them. <laughs> Friend of <laughs> Italian friend of mine was going to shoot these things with a shotgun in the river in the early morning. Just most, most, just take the breasts, make the most fantastic uh, spaghetti with these roasted uh, dove, dove breasts. Really? Yeah. If you, if you, if you're gonna, you got the cheek enough to kill something, you've got to eat it. Yeah. That's very important. It's a good message. So you're not a, you're not a trophy hunter. Nah. Yeah. I mean, the idea of shooting a lion and standing next to it with your rifle, I don't like lions particularly. Mm -hmm. I don't dislike them. I, I can't think of... I mean, I can shoot a buck and eat it. Why not? Mm. Take responsibility. I mean, everybody says, you hunting. I hate hunting. Do you eat chicken? Yeah. I think keeping a chicken <laughs> to eat it, you go and look at it every day and you think, I'm going to eat this chicken one day. It's terrible. But I think... Cutting down a tree is far worse than shooting a buck. Because mm. you're destroying a whole biome. You know, there's millions of bugs and things like that that live up and down inside, in the roots, in the leaves. Yeah. And people don't understand this. It's part of life. Death is the most important part of life. Yeah. You cannot be a consumer without taking part in death. Because harvesting... Even meat, if you eat grass. Yeah, harvesting wheat, you're going to kill mice. I mean, there's no way to... And exactly, just like you're saying. Like, you take down a tree, you're killing an entire ecosystem. Switch on the car, you're destroying the planet. Right, exactly. You wear rubber-soled shoes, you're destroying the rainforest. Mm -hmm. So, what are you... What are my plans for the future? Mm, what are you most proud of? My children. Each one is a delight to me, each one, and my stepchildren too. And it's, I'm very lucky because I've got seven all together, and it's a sort of self-admiration society. They all love each other, which is, could be very different there. It's amazing. And I'm very proud of that too, because um, they, they are good people, every last one. Amazing. What do you wish you were better at in life? <sighs> I wish I was a better lover. <laughs> that also sounds like a song. <laughs> ah, where I wish I was better. Um, I'd like to be better at maths because I'm really cuck at maths. It's a, uh, it's um, an indignity to be so stupid at maths. What do you consider maths? Math, maths is quite simplistic. I can understand the fact. If you add two and two together, you get four or something like that, depending on which way you're looking at it. Mm -hmm. And it's logic, and I would like to think that I'm logical, but 
Maths has always eluded me. Quantum physics, I would like to really, really understand. I think it stems from the fact that I used to throw globs of saliva and, and blotting paper at my math teacher. Uh-huh. So we didn't have this really nurturing relationship. No, I didn't learn much. My old man was a brilliant mathematician, okay, amongst other things. And when I was in a very, very junior school, like sub B or something, we went to East London for a holiday. And we went early. So the teacher said to him, Mr. Barnes, your son has to learn up to the six times table. So we spent the whole six weeks learning multiplication table up to six. And I could get to six nines of 54. Mm-hmm. But there's no ways I can understand why nine sixes were 54. I had this block, and it drove my old man bloody berserk. And, of course, I couldn't understand why nine sixes are 54 and six nines are 54. I just didn't have it, because I was probably just learning this stuff. Right. There was no explanation. Right. And no clarity. And, I mean, that obviously put me on the back burner as far as math went. And relationship with my father. Yeah. Terrible. But now, I've been thinking about pi, pi squared, and how it's relevant in today. And we think that things are quite simple. For argument's sake, how many months is a woman pregnant? Ten months. Mm-hmm. 280 days. Mm-hmm. The cycle is 28 days. But it's not exact. It's just over. It's like pi. 22 over 7. Mm. Woman's pregnant, 7 times 4 times 10. How many months in the year? 13. Lunar months. How many colors in the rain? Seven. How many bloody notes on a, on a piano? Seven. See, and I love those kinds of numbers. That, that, that's that's my, you know, fun stuff. I'm not at all thinking about numerology or any of that bullshit. Yeah, yeah. But it's just everything is about it, the same thing. Yeah. Well, I, I'm into nature, like maths and nature. Ah. Maths in the context of nature, not maths on a piece of paper. Yeah. I'm into that. That stuff's really interesting to me. And I think had I been introduced to that as a child, I probably would have been open yeah. to the whole idea of maths as a subject. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, it's not just about um, 2 plus 2 is 4, yeah. 4 plus 4 is 8, yeah. and blah, 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 blah. But even with that, you can show a kid a pattern. Mm. Say, so see how this starts to repeat itself? Mm. And then I would think, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, okay. You can pick up one of those flowers and we'll show you about maths. Exactly. Exactly. But they don't. I mean, no. you know, you must understand that two and two is four because it'll be good for you. Right. So, so what is the golden ratio? It's the essence of movement. One is to two, is to three, is to five, is to eight, is to thirteen, is to twenty-one, etc. One point six nine eight. What? But it's your exponential outward curve. Right. But it. This is the interesting part. If you take a, a helix, like a seashell or something, and you cut it in half, you get this perfect. Yes. Um, curve, exponential curve. But where does it start? This is the interesting part for me. Does it start with a, an atom or part of an atom? Does it start with a quark or a proton or electron? I mean, a quark is a mode of light. And it, that's only, that's as far down as we can see, I think. Mm. But it's, that's made up of other things. So where does it start? Does it start in the, at a point? Or does it start, does it start as a thought? Does it start as... In the in the antithesis of that, does it start? Is it does, is it a black hole that is now collapsed, or where does this thought pattern start? If you look at that 
golden proportion or golden means everything is designed on that. Everything that is pleasing to the eye, mm. including the solar system and the universe mm. and a flower and a leaf and a hand and a body. I mean, one, two, three, five, eight, thirteen, etc. Everything is designed on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I don't have a problem when people talk about and God made a plan for the universe. Um, if you know who God is, that's very clever. But I mean, why can't there be a plan? If there's such a thing as a golden ratio, there's a plan. Whether we understand who designed it, what designed it, or how it came about, it's immaterial. It's definitely a plan. Mm. And it's a natural plan, maybe. Maybe it's the opposite of chaos. Um, who knows? But every single thing that you know, design on that same design and you know what it is it's fire how about that that's crazy that's that's what i think about it this is where you just exited the uh, realm of my brain Hmm. capabilities this is where i sip my coffee and nod well to me it gets more and more real Uh, you're going to take any one of those leaves or any anything there yeah and you'll be able to prove that whole uh, um, number. Yes. Why? Why? What's a number? Is, is a number is a number not a man-made object? Huh? Well, everything. How can we uh, be so arrogant as to think that the world is composed out of numbers? Well, but I don't think that. I, what I don't I don't mean to boil it down to everything is numbers, but numbers are one branch on the tree of our own understanding and so we can go out on that branch and say oh yeah i can see numbers and everything it's a me- method of explaining it to our unlimited uh, imagination. exactly exactly and i think that i i, I firmly believe that intuition mm-hmm. is something that we don't use this episode of my way has been brought to you by quantum physics whenever you're feeling small think of quantum physics All of us have been asked to look at the big picture, sure, but what about the small picture? Quantum physics looks at the fundamentally smallest picture the universe has to offer. All of these things are both particle and wave, spinning this way and that at the same time in strange and seemingly incomprehensible ways. However, this bizarre behavior is simply explained through extremely complex mathematics. Though the study of quantum physics has been around for nearly a hundred years, experts are answering the what, but the how and the why still have us all scratching our heads. Feeling a little quirky lately? It's likely due to all those protons, neutrons, and mesons out there. Might I recommend a quark-free diet of leptons rich in electrons and neutrinos? Thanks to the strange phenomenon of quantum tunneling, we have hydrogen fusion, which provides that fantastic thing we call sunlight. Superposition is the ultimate form of multitasking at the atomic level, which allows an MRI machine and our body to collaborate to solve problems. Computers, and dare I say all modern technology, is a result of our understanding of the fundamental particles that make up silicon. Quantum physics like herding Schrodinger's cats. So what's your advice? My advice? Live today like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, no, live today like there's no tomorrow. 
that's my advice to you. Do as much as you can. Live and laugh and love as much as you can. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. In this country, living in very, very tough times and very, very, very dangerous times. I mean, this whole place could implode at a drop of a hat. Mm. You know, am I going to constantly think about that? I have prepared myself to the limits that I can. But, um, you know, a lot of my friends ran away from this country in 1990. Because they could see the way it was going. Mm. And it has gone that way. I mean, I can honestly say that I'm one of the few guys that will admit it. But I think if I hadn't been running around in the bush in the 1970s and the early, late 60s, people like me hadn't been there. This country would have been the same as Zimbabwe in 1970. Really? And the rest of Africa. The rest of Africa is complete balls up. So I think why we, is South Africa different, do you think? Why is South Africa different? Yeah. Oh, this is this is not going to sound politically correct. Mm-hmm. I hope you guys out there are paying attention now. I think South Africa is different because there's a different diving force to the rest of Africa. And I don't need to be more explicit than that. Okay. Um, the people in South Africa are very, very independent and very strong world. And um, sadly, the rest of the world has um, taught us that we are abysmally incorrect and um, cruel and um, we're basically thieves and colonialists. But I've got news for you. None of my relatives were thieves. Some of them were colonials, yeah, a long time ago. But I'm an African. I've been in Africa my entire life. I know more about Africa than most Africans who live here. Mm. I've contributed big time to this country. Mm. My own blood, my own sweat, my own tears, my own money. I put more money into this country than literally millions of other people. Um, I put more effort into it. I admire the country. I love it. I love the scent and the smell, the touch and the feel and the sight of it. And I'm not allowed to be a South African. I'm not allowed to be an African. So... If you could, if you had the power to solve one problem in this country, what would it be? If I had the power to solve the problem in this country, a problem, the problem, I would, um, I would make it that people love each other instead of being envious of each other. So how do you create that love? By showing it. Yeah. And do you think that happens just like on, on a daily basis? You can. You know, um, when I was a little boy, um, things were exceptionally different to what they are now. I've had to rethink and rethink and readjust and readjust and readjust to where I am today. From um, when I was three years old, I'd go, I'd say, wait. I'm a little and go and get my kite, it's falling in the bush, and this big man would say, Tambo, need run and go and get my kite and bring it back to me, and give it to me like this. And that's what I expected, and he expected that too. Mm. Now today, I've got to understand, and he's got to understand, that we, we're completely equal. I mean, he can tell me to go and get his bloody kite if he wishes. Mm. I won't go and do it. But um, between there and now, when, as I think I said earlier, we had nothing. I grew up with nothing extra. I had an air gun, which I bought myself. 
and I had a pair of fillies, just exactly the same as I'm wearing, and a mm -hmm. pair of grey khaki shirt like I'm wearing, and a pair of PD shorts. And that's what I wore basically every day of my life. When we went to see Granny, or we went to the movies, or we went to church, or anything like that, put our school uniform on. That's the only smart clothes we had. But that wasn't me. That was everybody. Mm. Everybody was like that. We had very little, and we appreciated everything we had. Now we got anything, and we don't appreciate a bloody thing. So you don't think that people are happier now because they have more? No, you don't get happy because you've got more. You get very unhappy if you've got more because you can lose more. And people think that possessions are wealth. Wealth is nothing. Wealth is not possessions. Wealth is state of mind. I mean, you can be the most unhappy person on earth and un be a Kim Kardashian follower. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I love this phony way that they speak. Well, I, I, I couldn't. I see all our youngsters have picked it up as well. I mean, for it's God's horrible. Sake, it, uh, it is like a virus, the Kardashian way of speaking. But I mean, how can in relatively intelligent, educated people try and follow that? I mean, why would they want to? I have no idea. I feel like I'm too old to figure it out. I'm, I'm of a certain generation now where I just, my mind goes blank when I see people so obsessed with getting followers and um, it's like everybody wants to be a prophet <laughs> with their disciples. They're social media prophets. So. So. One of the wisest things I heard was our friend Robert Zimmerman. He said, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. <laughs> Don't you think old Robert was a good idea? Yeah. Huh? That sounds like something Mark Twain would say. Would it? That's very Twainy. Mark Twain said about the village bully. Clasping my nose firmly between his teeth, I threw him to the ground on top of me. Uh, That's good. Mark Twain. By the Mark Twain. You know you got your name? Mississippi Riverboat going down the river with a sounding line. I would have a piece of lead and every fathom he'd have a knot in the string. Go like this and throw it. Okay. Come, come. By the Mark Twain. Two fathoms. By the Mark Five. <laughs> Totally um, identified with Tom Sawyer and Huck. That doesn't surprise me at all. Totally. Mm -hmm. I mean, when did you read that? When I was about five. <laughs> you seem to have a lot of moments when you were five. Yeah, well, they were my formative years, weren't Grow they? Grow fast. Since then, I haven't changed. <laughs> <laughs> You've been trying to get back to that five-year-old wisdom. Oh, what bliss. Mm. What bliss. I mean... Let's face it, uh, you know, the first three years you belong to your mother and you're part of her and you realize you're something different and then by seven years old you've established your own being and you're not going to change after that. And if somebody can read you Mark Twain when you're five and, and show you the glories of, of 
painting and, and music and art and philosophy and all those things, then mm. they're going to change. Mm. And the worst part about it, I see people take their kid and plonk him in front of a TV set and they leave him there. And those are the times when they should be listening to Chopin and they should be reading them stuff and they should be taking them for walks and, and telling them what love is about and how commitment is and all that type of stuff. And we don't. Oh, something interesting. Many years ago, I had an absolute hero, which I decided I was going to copy my lifestyle. And he used to speak to his children like this. He'd say, Leroy, I love you, but you can't have the car. Oh, but Dad, Leroy, I love you, no car. Oh, but Dad, Leroy, no. Sorry, my boy. I love you. No car. Who is that? Made a huge impression on me. And I've always spoken to my kids like that. Absolute, firmly told them what I think and told them how much I love them. I love you, but no. Yeah. Mm. Who is that? A poor comedian that got had up for molesting children and oh, women. Oh, Bill Cosby. And, yeah. Mm. That was one of my favorite shows growing up. Still is. Cosby That's so show. sad, eh? It is. It is, it is so tragic. And the Bible calls it feet of clay. This idol has got feet of clay. Uh -huh. Collapses at the first push. Now, it's very, very sad because Bill Cosby became a household name. Oh, really? And all the Huxtables became mm. a household name. Everybody watched the Cosby show. Mm, mm. I think you wonder why? Because it's what they wanted to be. Okay. Have you ever been here? Once. Yeah, I'll give you a hundred year old rifle to shoot down there. Oh, what? Come here. I'm just busy fixing it at the moment. This rifle is a hundred and ten years old. A hundred and ten years old? Wow. Wow. It's beautiful. Oh, it's so heavy. And it's so skinny. Huh? It's so skinny. I'm from CNN. <laughs> I need to be taken over, please. <laughs> Don't bend over down the bottom there. <laughs> I, I don't trust a Texan girl. This is unfortunately. The show that out of this you. is the. This is Go how. Don't bend down the bottom there. How are you doing? <laughs> I won't kiss your hand. You did not. Okay, this is great. We've had two visits for your interview. This has been oh, awesome. You've got a proper microphone. Is... So... <laughs> Careful, you point that thing. Oh. You shoot the dog. No, I don't want to shoot anything. <laughs> I just want to shoot it. <laughs> 180 years old. These babies. Yeah. Okay, so now. Mm -hmm. You have a can I can shoot? There we go, there we go, there we go, there we go. Let me just see where you shoot. Don't touch between your two years yet. Mm -hmm. Shoot that big log there. Okay.
Anytime you can come back to the rest of the story one day. Okay, great. And I will make sure to listen for your music now. Okay. okay. I'll play you some Amalia. Okay. Right. Thank you. Thanks, dear. Well, that about wraps up my conversation with fellow Graytonian and artist Alistair Barnes. I hope you enjoyed it. When I was editing this episode, I had an epiphany. <laughs> my brain is wired in such a way that I have the same exact reaction to both quantum physics and the cultural anomaly known as the Kardashians. They both completely boggle my mind, and I wonder if the Kardashians know that they owe their fame and fortune entirely to quantum physics. I'm going to give you a minute to think about that. <laughs> Anyway, next time on My Way, I have a conversation with someone who, like many, was just passing through Grayton. And, as you know, there's always a story from people who just passed through this town. Don't forget to follow at Podcast Cowgirl on Facebook and Instagram for updates and pics. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.